Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I met a dude who said, hey, I could teach you how to paint and you would work less. You'd make more money. You could see your kid. And I was just like, yeah, sign me up. I'm totally down for that. And so I ended up moving in with him. And the weekend before I moved into his house, he relapsed into drug addiction. So he was an IV drug user. Mm. And my entire world fell apart. I was barely holding my world together to begin with, but living with an active addict was something that I was completely unprepared to do. And there was just such little support and understanding out there. I couldn't, I couldn't seem to leave. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe Everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. Right, guys, going to be another cool episode. I'm bringing on what I've already determined is a pretty cool chick. I'm having a lot of fun with her already in the conversation. So I'm your host, Donnie Bovine. I'm bringing on Allison Donaghy, and I love her last name because it's one of those ones that you won't guess how it's you know pronounced when you first see it, just like mine. So I love it. So Allison, welcome to the show, my dear. Please tell us your story. Oh, hey, Donnie. Thank you so much for having me here. I so appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. My story. Holy. I guess uh, my current story about my business is usually the one I, I tell. I was a single mom. I was on welfare and I was working a bunch of dead end jobs and I realized that working retail was never going to help me pay the bills. And I really, really hated being on welfare. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why, but I, I did. And, you know, my son's father left when he was a year. And so it was just me and my kid. And, and I realized that maybe I needed to go back to university because back then, my son is now almost 30, but back then there wasn't a whole lot of options. There wasn't this whole online world available. So I went and got my criminology and I started working in that industry while I was going to school. And that was really interesting exposure to sort of like that underbelly of the world that we hear about, but we don't actually get to see. And I worked at a federal halfway house and it was just such an interesting experience. And then I went on to finish more schooling and then I met a dude who said, hey, I could teach you how to paint and you would work less. You'd make more money. You could see your kid. And I was just like, yeah, sign me up. I'm totally down for that. And so I ended up moving in with him. And the weekend before I moved into his house, he relapsed into drug addiction. So he was an IV drug user. Mm. And my entire world fell apart. I was barely holding my world together <laughs> to begin with, but living with an active addict was something that I was completely unprepared to do. And there was just such little support and understanding out there. I couldn't, 
I couldn't seem to leave. Uh, my family didn't really understand how bad it was. And they, they were like, well, you made your bed, you lie in it. I tried uh, talking to welfare about figuring out if I could, how I could leave. And they said, oh, your situation's not that bad. I don't know what you're complaining about. If you leave, we'll cut you off. I couldn't go to the women's shelter. I wasn't being abused. So I was really stuck in this horrible world of dancing on one leg all the time, waiting for the next time he would go on a bender, which was extremely regular. And it would last anywhere from half a day to 10 days. And he would just disappear. He would take all of our stuff, um, pawn it all. And it's really hard to paint houses without any paint gear because <laughs> he would pawn everything. He'd pawn the vehicles. He would pawn our sprayers. And, and then in 99, he was diagnosed with an illness and he passed away. And at that point, I went, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? I hadn't finished my schooling. And I thought, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just start a business. How hard could it be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ignorance of youth is oh, fantastic. Yes. And so I started a house painting company and it didn't take long to get off welfare because, well, you make nothing on welfare. <laughs> so for me, that was the first accomplishment, not having to ever sign another piece of paper explaining my life away to them. And, and then work just kept getting better and better. And then we had the crash in 2008 where it was a horribly humbling experience to understand that I wasn't a business rock star. It was the economy. <laughs> and I thought up until that point I was brilliant. And I quickly found out that I wasn't brilliant, but I had to start getting smarter about the way I ran my business. So that recession really taught me a lot about, about the whole world that I was in. And, my business was a house painting. So being in a male-dominated industry was certainly an interesting experience. Nobody has ever accused me of taking the easy path. <laughs> <laughs> now, I love this. I love this. What a cool, cool story. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on a little bit of it and talk a little bit further. You know, first and foremost, well done on surviving single motherhood. Cause that's not an easy thing to, to do. And, you know, I know you got to hit with a couple of rough patches along the way, but look where you're standing now. So kudos to you for that. Cause that's, that's an absolute feat. The second thing is, is there a woman dominated industry? Cause I hear this all the time that it's a male dominated industry. So one of these days I'm going to find the one woman dominated industry and, and. Well, yeah, I totally think there is. I think nursing is female dominated. I think retail is quite female dominated. I think all right, all right. serving sort of not at those high end restaurants. Once you start getting into the high end restaurants, it tends to shift from male, female service to male servers. Hairdressing tends to be quite female dominated. And the men that are there are often homosexuals, not always. So there's always this very feminine energy around it. And I think the difference is, is how people are welcomed into the industry. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I agree mm -hmm. with that wholeheartedly. It's, it's, is, you know, I grew up in the sales world and I love telling people that women can outsell men all day, every day of the week. And it has nothing to do with looks and charms is guys, we want to fix everything. And if you fix the problem in a sales conversation, you have nothing left to sell. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas us women, we want to build a relationship yep. and drag it out for eternity. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So it's, it's the absolute truth. So you trying to do something with your life, find yourself, you know, trying to go to university, trying to figure all this out. And unfortunately made a bad life decision, chose the wrong dude. We've all been there. Well, not the wrong dude. Well, 
but it was my first time choosing the wrong dude. <laughs> that's, that's not my skill set. <laughs> you know, but what's interesting to me about it is it sounds like you were really trying to get outside help to get out of that situation. And, you know, I, I've unfortunately had, a, I've talked to several women that have done this several type thing and financially there's no way you can get out of that situation because you can't support, you know, a rent, you know, food, your child, you know, everything. So you're stuck. Luckily for you, it wasn't a violent situation. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, I'm sure it was hell, but you're stuck. How do you keep your sanity during that time? You know, I mean, <laughs> That's that's <laughs> mind blowing. Oh, yeah, it's just about holding your breath. Really, was all, that's what when I look back at it, that's all I think about. All I did was I just held my breath the whole time, hoping and watching and looking for a break of some sort. It was just having a kid. I think helps a lot because it sort of kept things in perspective. I probably didn't spiral down as far as I could have if it had just been me. But then again, it would have been easier to leave if it had just been me. So it's always a double-edged sword. And and on the one hand, while it's a it was a horrible experience to go through, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, both the addict and the non-addict, because it's such an ugly world, there was still, I never would have been able to start my business had I not had that experience with him, right? So I believe everything is such a double-edged sword. And with that, on the one hand, I learned a trade, which I think everybody should have. Uh, And on the other hand, (laughs) my life was a mess. Uh, (laughs) But eventually, it all worked out fine. And I think it's just hanging in there and hoping and for that break, paying attention, watching that break. You know, and and here's what I love about it is I truly believe that everybody's story is their success Mm. because whatever you've gone through is created you to become the person you need to become to find success in whatever you're getting. I love your thought on the double-edged sword because I I think that's, that's a real truth that on one hand it sucked, but on the other hand you were learning some really, really cool things. Now, I don't want anybody to go through that experience to learn the same way you learn, you know, but it's to the point of whatever somebody's going through, you know, that's what they need to be. It's a tough way of saying it, but there's a lesson to be learned in doing that, you know, along the ride. Then he gets diagnosed with an illness and passes away, and now you're stuck with, holy crap, how do I figure this all out? And you have the most brilliant idea in the world of opening a business. And if you, anybody else has opened a business, you know why we're laughing because it is not easy. You know, was that just a wake up? Well, I can paint. Now I'm going to start a business or was this? Pretty much. He was a bit of a screw up and he managed to make it happen. I'm not high all the time ever. And so if I'm not high, I should be able to do this good. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it was a process. And I'm so grateful that I had learned that skill set because I have a really remarkable life now. Right. And did you literally start out with the, you know, paint sparing yourself and you were physically doing the, the painting or did you bring a crew on immediately? No, it was just me. And, and it, so it's, it's, it's so easy to be so naive about so many things, right? I eventually, I think by the end of the first, middle of the first summer, I was hiring people. And, you know, 
it was tough because men didn't want to apply because my company's name is Sunshine Girls Painting. <laughs> and <laughs> well thought out. <laughs> well, the reason I, you know, it's these glass houses that we live in, right? And these blinders that we put on. I thought when I had been painting with Bob, I would go to a job and people would be like, you're a girl, you can't do this. And I'm not talking money with you. You're a girl. Like, where's where's the dude? And so when I started my company, I thought, well, I'm just going to put right out there that I'm female. Right. So those people just never contact me. I never even thought about the fact that it would deter people from applying. <laughs> so it took a while. But, you know, we're almost 20 years in business now. And we're one of the leading companies in town that people want to work for. Literally, you're carrying your own ladders, wearing yeah. the, the paint splattered overalls, and <laughs> carrying around sprayers. Here's what I freaking love about this. It <laughs> is, I mean, that's just badass in general because not many people would have stepped up and said, hold my beer and watch this. Mm. You know, you right. know, it takes a hell of an individual, no matter what the thoughts were that this was going to be easy, blah, blah, blah. It takes a hell of an individual because at some point you realize, oh, shit, I just did this and now I have to figure it out. Now I got to go sell. Now I got to go grow a business <laughs> yeah. and stay in the game. So well done. Well done. Thanks. Well, and I got lucky in some ways, too. Right. When I decided to do it, it was right around the time the Yellow Pages was publishing so I got in just in the nick of time and so all of these things lined up the stars aligned the planets fell into place that really supported me and I believe that when we step into action the universe does support us in these sorts of ways 100 percent 100 percent and then you got the slap in the face that a lot of us got in 07 08 09 and you realize what Unfortunately, a lot of businesses realized businesses realized that they didn't have sales team. They had a whole bunch of order takers <laughs> because the economy was so great that yeah. money was just coming through the doors. For you, you realized that you maybe hadn't positioned your business in the right way to continue to thrive. How did you survive through that time? Well, I was really fortunate because having come from a poor background, I was pretty stingy on what I spent my money on. And so I didn't have a lot of overhead. Mm. I didn't have the brand new, you know, sparkly vans. I didn't have the most latest, greatest sprayer. So I had almost no bills beyond staff advertising and then the actual operations of the job I was still doing a lot of my own bookkeeping at the time and so I just had an accountant so I was fortunate more so than some of the other businesses who had overextended themselves so I think that was really my only saving grace is that I didn't have the overhead I had a home office I didn't have a retail space Nice. Yeah. nice. Well, it's smart business. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people get shiny object syndrome when they do run the business. You know, they think they need the fancy office. They need the fancy desks. They need the fancy cars, you know, all that. And that's what screwed a lot of people during those time, you know, time frames. And I spent my money on traveling. And so I just traveled less. <laughs> when yeah. I, met, right? I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm not going on a trip. Uh, so, it's how, yeah, definitely how we spend our money. And again, that was lucky that I had that mindset that I didn't want to spend that money and it saved me through the recession. 
Yeah, and you keep dropping the word lucky, and you know I'm just a firm believer that luck comes from putting your ass on a line several <laughs> times until something breaks loose, right? Which is just awesome. So when you came out in the backside of the recession and the whole world kind of goes, oh, it's over type thing, mm-hmm. what happened to your company then? Well, my son was involved by that time. And so now he's in the process of taking it over. And we are just more solidly positioned because a lot of businesses went out of business. And so now we have one of the longer running reputations in town and hanging in there has its advantages. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. And so from that experience, I went with my son taking over. It opened a door for me to start another business called Domino Thinking, where I challenge people to think about what they think about. And I've written a business book and just because I think we can use our businesses as a way to really impact the world in a positive way. And so it's been really interesting making that shift from the very tangible. Oh, you want this wall painted? This is how much it is. You're happy with the price. Here we go. I painted it. You're happy. Now pay me to this more philosophical type discussion. It's not as tangible uh, talking about the things that we think and feel, and it's been a, quite a transition. Yeah, I, I guarantee it has. You know, because a lot of people do not spend time thinking on thinking about what's going on between their ears. They're just moving through their day, yeah. and almost like this mundane robotic, you know, style. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to jump in this realm? Because you go from successful business, or still successful business owner, I should say, mm-hmm. to now you're going to be a speaker, mentor, blah blah blah. Yeah. That, that's a big jump. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the stuff that I took at university was psychology and sociology, and I really loved the sociology part. Like, how do we all play together? Psychology, not as much. I think it's too individual-focused, and I think we never really operate from an individual perspective. And so I always really enjoyed having these philosophical discussions, and like you, I'm a sucker for a story. And <laughs> So whenever I can talk to people about their beliefs, I was doing that. And I thought, oh, maybe I should be doing this more. And then I spoke in an event and a friend of mine had a radio station. And so she was like, you need a radio show. And then one thing leads to another. And and I think that's the thing about stepping into things is that we end up stepping into all sorts of things that we never really expect. And it makes for a far more interesting adventure. Absolutely. And I love how you said stepping in because I think a lot of people are avoiding, you know, they have dreams, they have things they want to do, they have things they want to accomplish in life. Mm-hmm. And they're more worried about what would happen if they actually did take that leap, did step into whatever they want to go. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure you agree that being a business owner taught you more about what's going on between your ears than almost anything else you've ever done in your life. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's- <laughs> there's so many moving parts to a business, right? And and having to think about it all and pay attention to it and really stay connected to all of those moving parts and not become apathetic. Like it's so easy to just go, oh, it's taking care of itself. I'm good without constantly tweaking and improving. And, and how can I listen to my customers better? How can I do this better? How can I do that better? And what, who can I bring on my team? Who do I have to let go of my team? Like it's this constant dialogue in my head and uh, any business owners, I believe when they're, when we're eating, breathing and living our business. And it, and it took me a long time to realize I didn't have to work seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, I dated a guy and he said, you know, if you don't take at least one day off a week, we're never going to last. 
<laughs> and I was like, what do you mean take a day off? I don't understand that language. <laughs> and so I ended up figuring out I could take off Sundays and the world wouldn't end. And it, the relationship did. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's all just a process. And I think when we pay attention, that's where we get to find these little nuggets and we get to step into those things because we're looking for doors that we can open. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, for me as a business owner, everything I thought I knew prior to being a business owner about being a business owner was absolutely wrong. You know, <laughs> right? yeah. we all think we're great parents until we have children, and then we realize no, there's no such thing. Yeah, yeah there, there's no really good book out there that says this is how you should run a business. You know, because you don't know what you don't know until you get into it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's life itself is you don't know anything until you you find yourself in it. So how do you teach people to spend more time? between their ears. Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. Well, <laughs> that's the fun part. Uh, I really get people to challenge the belief systems that they have. So my show, it was called Think Opposite. It's now called The Allison Donaghy Show. And so I bring on guests that challenge the status quo. I've had on like people talking about pit bulls and breaking down some of those misconceptions. And They're great you know, dogs. I know. So great. <laughs> and such a bad rap and totally misunderstood. Um, and scapegoats for things that they like. You know, they've probably done enough bad stuff on their own. They don't need to be blamed for things other dogs are doing too. Right, right. Um, but bringing people on like that and having these conversations, and I thought I was pretty open and understanding about the whole pit bull thing, but, whoa, I learned so much. Um, I had on a sex BDSM master, and that's how he made his living. And so having these conversations with people now allows me to have more conversations with more people about more things. And right now I'm focusing on men's rights and feminism and bridging that gap because I'm so sick and tired of hearing this division between women need this and men need to shut up and you know, this whole men have done us wrong and the patriarchy and all of that, like that's never going to solve any of our problems. And so really it's just challenging people when they say things. And I'm like, do you really mean that? Like, is that what you meant when you said that? Because it sounded a lot like this. Yeah. <laughs> and when people start having these conversations and then they start stepping into what they believe, 
they understand the value of doing it more. So it's one of those things. Once people get into it, it's really hard to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I love the style behind your show because I mean that that's the whole reason I do mine is is to hear the stories. And I like you, I've learned so much. You know, just talking to guests and hearing their journeys and the things around it's enlightening. There's a couple of shows. You know, I met a I had a gal on my show. I wish I could remember her name, but she was teaching me about heart math, and this was something I'd never heard of. And what they've discovered is, you know, that the heart does a hell of a lot more than we thought it does and it does almost as much as the brain as far as emotions and all this stuff and, and, and in the middle of the show you can hear me I'm like a little kid geeking out over you know, <laughs> and just I mean it's, it, I just love that stuff and I think podcasting has finally given the world a platform where you can talk about whatever you want. You know, mm-hmm. it's your control. You know, you've had just a really killer ride, girl, and, and done some really cool things. <laughs> where do you think this is all going to take you? I mean, are, are, are you going to set the world on fire and be the next, you know, face of motivation, mindset? (laughs) Well, ideally, I would like to create a movement around my part, that accountability piece that I think is really missing in the world. And so I'm just working on creating a course around it where, because I believe if we step into owning every choice we make and understanding that where we are in life is a result of those choices. You know, Bob didn't happen to me. It was my choices that brought Bob into my life. Um, staying there, not getting the support in the world, that didn't happen to me. It happened as a result of those choices that I made and the choices that I could visualize or see possible and the choices I couldn't see possible. And as we step into understanding and owning that responsibility, that's, I believe, where true empowerment and freedom lives. And when I am owning my life as mine, I can't be someone's victim anymore. Right. Right. Which is such a beautiful space to be in. Uh, if I don't need you to fill my worthiness cup, uh, and I just get to figure out ways of understanding my own inherent worth and building on that. If we end up having a great exchange, fantastic. If you have ideas that I like and I, I absorb as my own, even better. Uh, but I don't need to convert you to my way anymore because I'm good whether you agree with me or not. And it allows me to stay open to hearing different perspectives. And so I'm a really big supporter in owning our life. And people bump up against it and they oh, do yeah. not like it. <laughs> You know, I, I come from the sales background, and you know, it's interesting is I would tell people that you know you got to own the wins, you got to own the losses, you got to own you know, the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I get done talking about ownership of it, they'll turn around and like, you know, well, if the company would just give me more leads, I'm like, <laughs> did you just miss the whole conversation? The whole thing, yeah. <laughs> well, and I I gave a speech earlier this year called my part um, when I talked about when I was sexually assaulted in high school, and I talked about the double edged sword of the Me Too movement, and and when I I was sexually assaulted it wasn't until I accepted my role in that was I able to actually heal from that all of the talking all of the finger pointing all of the blaming all of that victimization all of that I'm so oppressed all of that boys are bad stuff none of that actually helped me the only thing that helped me was understanding what I did to contribute to that outcome Without shame, without blame, and without letting dude off the hook saying what he did was okay because it wasn't. But until we understand how we engage in those things, we can't actually tap into our worthiness. 
That is beautifully said and absolute truth. Good on you. (laughs) It's amazing how people don't look at their own stories and realize that that story is the thing that's helped them get where they are in life. So good on you for several times in your life, you know, taking it as a teaching moment versus letting it be (laughs) that thing, you know. Well, Uh, you have to. Otherwise, you're just a victim of it. And you just, and I just think there's no worse place to live than he did this to me. It's not my fault. If only they would. That's just, to me, that's prison. <laughs> I agree. And people do it in all walks of life. You know, they're like, you know, I was raised this way or, you know, I came from a poverty family. I did this. and Cool. You did. Well, great. Yeah. Own it. Right. Yeah. Now use it as your strength and do something with it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. ho- and see, and I believe that when we ask people to be accountable for their choices, we're holding them as capable. I am so grateful nobody stepped in and gave me a handout when I was struggling with Bob, because if they did, I may never have gotten to the place where I was desperate enough to start my own company. Oh, I see. Right? And, that's, and, and that's truth. I love that. Mm, yeah. I, and all of those experiences have get, put me in this place where I get to talk about the importance of owning our stuff and not relying on other people. You know, we talk about the single mother part. Well, that was a choice I made, too. I could have stayed with his dad. I could have tried to get child support, and I didn't because I didn't want the hassle that went along with it. Uh, so again, a result of all of the choices that I made, good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. They were all my choices. And, and I believe that with the exception of a couple of things that may happen in a person's life in the Western world, we have played a part in whatever's happened. If you're walking down the street, some van pulls up and grabs you and kidnaps you, you can say none of that was my fault. You were still walking down the street. Right. <laughs> like that's how hardcore I am about this personal accountability thing. Uh, did you deserve to get picked up by that van? Absolutely not. But we still play a part in everything that happens. When we're talking about third world countries and famine and child soldiers and all of that, I'm not sure my theory applies there because that is a whole other level of lack of control. I don't know. But we still get to decide and they still get to decide how they show up. So I suppose there's still an element of it there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had a, a person tell me once upon a time, I'm like, I don't understand how people can stay in that lifestyle in the third world countries. And somebody put it to me in a very kind of a black and white way. And they're like, you know, and it was a guy who was a, who grew up in a cult. And he said, you know, if you grew up in a cult lifestyle, that's all you knew. You mm-hmm. didn't know that there was a better life someplace else, a yeah. different life. Because when you're talking about those third world countries, you know, they're the same way. They don't understand that there's a better life, a different life, you know. Yeah, which is sadly starting to change because they have access to the Internet. So now yes. they see what they're missing out on. But the interesting thing is I went with my son to Africa and we went through a few countries there. And I was so impressed with their generosity of spirit. Mm. They were so grateful for the things they really didn't have (laughs) because it was so limited, the amount that they had. They were generous in their wanting to share and sit down and converse and have stories and um, connect. When I came back to Canada, there was this terrible sense of reverse 
culture shock where nobody was grateful for anything. Right. So we talk about these third world countries as if we are superior, but I'm not entirely sure we are. We may have less problems. We for sure probably have less problems, but we are our own worst enemies in thinking that we are superior. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Every time we've traveled overseas, it's almost a culture shock when we come back. Yeah. But we get used to it, you know, here. But when you see, because we, we recently, I just got back from a speaking engagement in Ireland. And mm. when we came back, we're like, wow, they loved us. I mean, you know, everywhere we went, people were so nice and so generous and so caring and so inviting. Mm-hmm. It was similar to your experience. And you came back here and nobody cared. I mean, not that people should care about you as you walk around every day, but it was just, it was so different. It was, it was, it was wild to experience. One thing that, that I love that you said is you're glad nobody pulled you out of the situation. Nobody gave you a hand. I know there's several times in my life, you know, in particular running a business where I made bad business decisions and, you know, the company's going south and, and one hand I'm like, can somebody throw me a lifeline? On the other hand, I'm glad I never got it because it gave me the strength to figure out what's that move to keep it moving forward. Yeah. And I wish more people would embrace that because when you give that somebody that handout, you take away that opportunity for them to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And learning, I think, is so critical. And I love that you say that. And and maybe we just need to de- redefine what the handout is. Right. right? <laughs> because in retrospect, the handout I got was get, being given nothing, <laughs> which yeah. was the best thing I could have been given. Um and so I think that that is it's so fascinating to look at it that way and the self-reliance that comes of it. If I fix your problem, I'm telling you you're not smart enough to fix your own problem. Absolutely. And that, I think, is a huge disservice. And, and I think whenever we can encourage people to think and step in and, and understand is better. You know that expression, um, if you want a guy to eat, give him food. If you want him to live teach him how to fish. Yep. Um, I think we have to take that a step further and say, if you really want him to survive, you're going to teach them how to think because then they can problem solve. So if the rivers run dry or the mercury gets too bad, they can figure out something else to do to survive. Yeah. I love that. And people don't practice enough problem solving. So it's a, it's a really good thought process. And I think that's how all great things come about is somebody takes somebody's idea and takes it that one step further, and that's how everything gets created that's ever turned into any some level of success. I really like you, girl. Yeah, um, I like you back. <laughs> I just love being around people that have tenacity and grit that you don't often see in a lot of people. You know, how do people find all your stuff? How do they get in touch with you? How do they follow your podcast, all that fun stuff. Easiest way is dominothinking.com. It's my website. My radio show's on there. My book's on there. I think I have a promo code for your audience for a free audio book. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, my email will be on there. And I answer all of my emails. So Allison with one L at dominothinking.com. It might take me a little while to get back to you. Trust me, I did that. Unless you're sending me like I'm a jerk message, uh, I will respond. (laughs) (laughs) I respond to the jerk ones too because I have uh, been known on occasion to say, "Oh, tell me more." Uh, (laughs) But no, I think conversation is the cure for everything, and we have forgotten how to have conversations. It's interesting. Something my wife and I have employed in that regard is when it's dinner time. 
or when we go out to dinner, the phones have to go down. You know, my business runs off of the internet, you know, off of social media, everything else. So (laughs) I'm constantly out there responding to messages and talking to people and fielding interview requests and all kinds of fun stuff. You know, it's very hard to step away from all that. Mm -hmm. So we've had to institute some laws in in our household (laughs) that I'm the worst at that that I don't always feel. Follow. I've never been a rule follower, but to ensure that her and I, you know, keep the communication going because in this day and age, people see something they disagree with and they immediately turn it off or remove that person from their life. Yes. Or in the, we are making so many statements these days. Like I saw somebody's statement on Facebook the other day and it said, privilege is not understanding why somebody would unfriend somebody over a difference of political views. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right? So, and I know because they're non-white that it's directed at white people because <laughs> all of their posts are. And I'm like, I don't think it's privileged that I don't understand. I don't understand why somebody would disconnect with somebody over any view. Right? Because it, I think it's important to try to figure out how to find common ground. That's not privilege. I think that's just good common sense. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me is I've got some other fellow podcasters that I talk with on a regular basis, and we've just agreed to never talk about politics because <laughs> we're so opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. But they're great, beautiful people. I mean, just because mm-hmm. we don't agree on, you know, a, a stance, and I'm not a politics guy by any means, it's just. They're in a way different world, side of the world than I am. And, you know, it's, it's that ability to don't focus on the words they're saying. Focus on who they are. Yeah. yeah. And we, we think that if I am pro-Trump, that I must be wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> right? Whereas where's the curiosity to find out where I might be right? Is that we we are so convinced that our opinion is the right opinion simply because we thought it or felt it. (laughs) Absolutely. Right? And so if you and I are on different sides of the coin, for some reason, I will just automatically assume you are wrong because you don't agree with me. So that gives me permission to unfriend you and blame you for privilege or something. I don't know. Whereas if I stop for a second and go, you are on totally the opposite side of this discussion than I am. Huh. What in your life has taken you to that point? Because you believe you're as right as I believe I'm right. You know, and I'll tell you, the times that I've had the courage to shut up and listen to some of their views have been some of the most insightful times in, in my life. I tend to be a very black and white guy that what I believe and what I see, that's just the way it is. But the mm-hmm. times I've turned that off, it's been a wild to get the insights that I've gotten the insights to. But I have to be careful with that because there are some people that just want to get into an argument or a debate to get the argument going. But it's, My response to that is usually, do you need a hug? <laughs> I'm gonna borrow that because that's what really sounds wow coming well, from me. <laughs> I've stolen it from my son because he always says it all the time if I'm being really cranky because <laughs> nobody's ever perfect at any of this stuff, right? So oh, I'm screwing up all over the place all the time. But when somebody is that adamant and in your face, as soon as you say that, they they don't know what to do. And it's, like, <laughs> it's a great pattern interrupt. I love it. Yeah, use it. <laughs> I'm totally stealing that. I'm totally stealing that. Um, man, girl, I gotta tell you, this has been a lot of fun. I love being around bubbly and, and spirited people, so so thank you for doing this. Here's how I like to wrap up the show. 
And I do stump some people with this, so so stand by. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> if you were going to leave my audience of champions, entrepreneurs, business owners, people from all walks of life, from all over the world that are on their journey, if you were to leave them with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a slogan, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're going through the dark side of their journey, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. You are worthy. Oh, I love that. That's that piece. You know, this little tiny sperm found this little tiny egg and beat out all those other little tiny sperms to make you. And by the very nature of that, you are a miracle. And if you are a miracle, you are inherently worthy. And everybody's telling us how we're wrong and we're not worthy and we need to change. We need to be better. We need to do different. The reality is, is that you don't. You just need to reconnect with the fact that you are worthy. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Allison, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing your story with us. It's been a lot of fun. Ah, thank you so much. It was time flies. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.